With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Anfield Index post-match. No, I am not Nina Kauser. Unfortunately for you listeners, you stuck with me because Nina was at the game with Gags and Co. But I am stepping in. There won't be a call in, and I forgot to get <laughs> I forgot to get listener questions. But uh, we're going to do the standard stuff. So we're going to we're going to get straight into it, and I'll, I'll introduce my guest. We've got Jay Sutherland, who's I think you've only been on the one pod with me before, Jay. That's right. Yeah, we discussed. Um... The predicted lineup for the season at that point. We did, we did, and we got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my other guest is Puneet. How are you doing, Puneet? How are you doing, guy? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Uh, I know it's late. It's a bit later over there, but did that keep that much keep you awake? Yeah, it did. It did at the end, especially at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you you probably weren't kept awake for the reasons you'd like, really, <laughs> but. <laughs> No, but at least it was interesting, right? I, I'd take this any day over Manchester United. Yeah, you should yeah. be tucked in bed right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we'll crack on with the actual game because uh, a bit under time constraints here. But Jay, I'll come with you, I'll come to you first. I mean, did you have any thoughts or thoughts coming into the game, really? Yeah, I mean, there was a weird feeling that I had in my heart, <laughs> so to speak, because. Um, Chris Hewton has spoken before the game about being pretty resilient and knowing what to expect coming to Anfield. And I I had a feeling that it wouldn't be like the 4-0 and 5-1s of last season. But, um, and also I don't, I wasn't, but I wasn't sure if that that sort of nervousness was coming from being scarred as a Liverpool fan, which is what Andy Wales said on the post Crystal Palace match of the day, you know, this nervousness and sense of being uncomfortable during Liverpool matches is something we've come to expect, but it's also partly because we're kind of scarred from previous years. So I wasn't sure if it was because of that or whether I just had a genuine concern for Brighton's ability. Mm. So, but I wasn't, I wasn't as convinced that we'd thrash him as what some people were. It didn't help Man City dropping points because you remember two or three years ago, whenever a rival dropped points, it was probably more a Brendan Rodgers thing. But do you remember when every time a rival dropped points, we'd go and top that and screw up even worse? I think people are, exactly people are still scared by that. So I get where you're coming <laughs> from. Um, but Punit, I'll come to you. Did you have any thoughts coming into the match and just just go into the starting eleven as well? Did Did you like the starting eleven, or did you have any changes that you'd wanted to see? Um. Pre-match, basically, I, I, I'll differ from Jimmy a little bit over here because mm, I wasn't sure that we'd get like a 3-0 or a 4-0 victory, but I was pretty assured that we would get the victory because there's just something about this team and the way they're playing currently. Even Crystal Palace, we saw that they just managed to grind out the results and we saw that again today. So I was assured of a victory. I mean, in my heart, I knew that we'd get the victory, but the scoreline, I couldn't predict. Um <laughs> As far as the starting lineup goes, it was pretty much expected. I mean, there was some talk around that maybe um, Klopp would look to change things up. But uh, sticking with the same starting lineup at the previous three matches makes sense for me. Because right now, these are the players who've got most of the preseason in. So, uh, they're the freshest and the most, ma- most match fit. And it's better to ease the other players into the game uh, slowly over the course of the season because it is going to be a long season for us. So we need them at some point or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Jay, I won't ask you the same question about the, the starting eleven, but I'll add, a, I'll add another twist on it. Obviously, 
this performance overall wasn't as good as the other two. Do you, do you think that... It's weird saying fatigue into the third game in the season, but do you think maybe a bit of tiredness or rustiness or whatever we want to call it after having three of the same starting eleven in a row came into the game today, or do you think Brighton were just a tougher test than the other games? I mean, I, I think the Brighton was certainly pretty tough test today. I think they did really well, um, but and I don't think that there was any rustiness there. But I do think that we could have done with changing it up a bit, just purely from the fact that going into the game, I wasn't sure that a sort of a, that fairly flat three in midfield was going to be enough to break down their what I expected to be a, a fairly solid back line. Mm. And I was hoping that maybe not because I didn't have faith with the players that we played and won twice before already against West Ham and Crystal Palace, but because I thought we might experiment a little bit and we have so much depth at our disposal. And I guess there was a, there was a tiny nagging concern at the back of my, back of my uh, mind that um, when we do run into injuries or are forced to make changes of any other kind, our backup options wouldn't have been bled in that well, had we not started to do it now. And when you look at Man City, they've made, changes every game so far and and I know they they drew today so that's not the best example but <laughs> I just <laughs> I just felt that when we've got such a big squad it would have been the ideal scenario today to utilize that squad depth early on keep everyone fresh swapping and changing and I sort of hoped that we might see a bit of fluidity um and bring up and have Shakiri there and I thought he might he might add a bit of extra an extra layer there, maybe in a sort of a number 10 position and, and keep everyone else the same, essentially. Um, but yeah, I don't think there was any rustiness, certainly, or, 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 or fatigue as such. I just think that that sort of game needed something different to what we were able to offer for the majority of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure. I can't remember the exact number, but we had quite a lot of draws, both home and away, didn't we? Um, if I remember correctly, so I kind of get what you, you, you're getting at there. But Puni, obviously you said you're quite happy with the starting 11. I imagine most people were. But do you think it's fair that to say, I know we won, this is, <laughs> this is all a bit of a much of a muchness, but um, <laughs> do you think looking at the game and looking at the performance, we could have done with an extra, well, attacking player in the team rather than having Ginny Milner and Cater? No, I don't think so, because I think this is the way that Klopp wants to set out his teams. He wants to control the midfield, and he wants Keita to kind of drive with the ball when he gets it. He wants Firmino Salah. Today, in fact, you saw a lot of times, not even, not only Firmino dropping deep, I saw Salah playing at the half line. Mm. So, mm. so I, I think the part of the game plan was that the front three will drop in, and Keita will drive ahead. Uh, so... If that's how he wants to set out his teams, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. I don't think we... Okay, let me put it this way. We could have used Shakiri maybe last 15 minutes of the game just to have that one creative outlet who could maybe punch through what was basically... I don't know. They were playing... At one point of time, I saw Brighton playing a 5 at the back rather than a 4 at the back at uh, like the lineup showed. But... Mm-hmm. And they were really compact. So maybe last 15 minutes, Shakiri, but I, I, but I think what Klopp really wants to do is really impress on the new players the way we play, the kind of football that we have. So he's taking his time bedding them in. Shakiri, you've seen Fabinho not even make the bench today. So he's going to take his time, make sure that they are completely up to speed. And when they hit the, when they do start playing, they hit the ground running like Keita did. And I, I remember Klopp mentioning that Keita is pretty much used to the way that Liverpool plays because Leipzig played very similarly. So he could just slot right in. And when he brings the other players into the games, he needs to make sure that they, I mean, it's, it's a like-for-like replacement. It just clicks. They don't need to figure things out on the pitch itself. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. But just, I'll, I'll come to you with this one. Whilst we're kind of on the subject of, of Naby Keita on the midfield, how do you think he did? Because he's obviously had two very eye-catching performances in his first two. I mean, probably a bit more quiet today, but I mean, he's not going to top that turn and um, pass to Salah every week, is he? But how do you think Naby did? No, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I thought his, his first game was probably his best game overall, and um, bar that, 
moment you just mentioned in Crystal Palace, he was he was he had he put a different type of performance there, a bit less flashy and probably a bit more resilient against Palace. And then today he, he was a little bit more invisible for the majority of it. There was a there was a great surge forward in the opening twenty minutes and was um pretty bright early on. And then he went a little bit missing at parts. But in, at the end of the day, as as you both touched on and Puni mentioned, you know, those midfielders are there to work hard and to keep the ball and to recycle possession to, for the majority. And and where that's concerned, all three of them did that job. And we had the most of the possession and um, Cater was part of that. So it was a fairly less event it was a much less eventful performance from him but he did a job so to speak i think that's all we can expect of him in a match like that to a degree yeah yeah i think that's a good way of putting it puny talk on you obviously talked about the tactical uses of navigator of getting getting beyond the forwards and stuff like that do you think he he was introduced to the classic premier league bus today <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, definitely. At one point of time, uh, the, the two banks of defenders that Brighton had, had absolutely no space between them. Mm-hmm. They were deep, they were superbly compact, and they did a hell of a job keeping our front three relatively quiet. Um, yeah. We did have the majority of the shots and the shots on target, but um, in general, I feel that Brighton did a really good job keeping control of the game in the final third, uh, not letting us through. But this is what Keita needs to understand about the English game, is that uh, sometimes teams over here look to play what is we call as anti-football, right? Mm. It's yeah. not about scoring the goal, it's about not letting the opposition score one. So... Uh, that happened today for parts with Brighton, especially in the first half and the early part of the second half. Later on, they started to grow into the game. They started opening up more space in behind. But by that time, I think we were all a little tired. It's just the third game of the season. None of them are, even if they've had a preseason, they, I wouldn't call them like 100% match fit as such. So, um, it's understandable. I think we managed the game pretty well. And at the end of it, um, when Brighton had literally three centre forwards on the field, Jahan Baksh came in, and I forget the name of the other person. Lucario. Even then, yeah, Lucario. Even then, they didn't really trouble us too much. There were a few moments here and there, but in general, I think we looked pretty comfortable on the ball in possession. We kept rotating the ball, and it was a good performance, good game management. I was really happy with it. No, happy days, happy days. I agree with what both of you have said there, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of the match events then, shall we? And, um, Jay, coming to you, um, early chance for us. I'd probably say Bobby should score, but it's a hell of a save from Matty Ryan, to be fair, but do you think Bobby should have scored? I think it was, I think it was Robber who crossed it in, but I'm not 100% on that. It was. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was Robertson, yeah. Yeah. But do you think Bobby should have scored? Oh, I mean, difficult to say because it was a great header. It was a great cross. It was a great header and a great save, to be honest with you. So, um, and Firmino did really well to get himself into that position. So, and to the, the header was on target and it was just a really good save from Ryan, to be honest with you. And bar that, we hadn't really challenged or, or sort of done anything at that point, uh, up until that point. So, um, yeah, that was a really good opportunity early on. Yeah, absolutely. Puni, um, S- similar question to you, but do you want to expand a bit on Firmino? Because he's, he's not had he's not had the most eye-catching start to the season, but he seems to be in patches showing what Bobby Firmino is. But do you think him having that limited limited preseason, you can see it in parts of his game? Definitely, definitely, you can see it. it does, uh, it's a little rusty so far for him. I mean, he did get the assist today, but it was yeah. a pretty simple pass to Salah. Um, but at the end of it, uh, I, I think you could see the rustiness in all of them across the front three. Even Mani today, he had like what? He misplaced four or five simple passes that I counted. Yeah, yeah definitely he did. Yeah. It was yeah. definitely yeah. his uh, most difficult <laughs> He, was, he was way off his game today. Definitely. And uh, even the interplay between the front three... And there was this brilliant passage of play, I think, in the first half itself, when Salah and Firmino just 
played these two, three quick one-twos with each yeah. other, and he was almost in. But that final pass, right? That that's just not clicking at the moment. But I think that's more of a case of just getting playing with each other a little bit more, um, getting more into the game. And uh, as the season season progresses, that that thing will start clicking again. And once that does, God help whoever is playing against us. It'll probably be Huddersfield going off this season. (laughs) 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 But uh, we'll continue with the first half. Jay, I'm going to cram a lot of the events in this first half because nothing happened in the second half. (laughs) But uh, uh, we saw Trent take and hit the bar uh, with a free kick. I mean, two things here. Obviously, it was a good free kick, but he's starting to show... Uh, quite a bit of confidence because he's taken free kicks from players like James Milner and Mo Salah. I mean, Mo Salah was probably one of the best players in the world last year, and, and you've got this 19-year-old kid demanding a free kick. I know he's good at them in under 23 and under 18 level, but this is the big leagues now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we saw yeah. him taking the free kick off whoever it was back against. I think it was against Hoffenheim, wasn't it, last season mm. when he scored? When he scored, so he's had that confidence since he was 18, basically, just to be able to snatch the ball off other people who are by far his senior, because he knows how good he is at striking a dead ball and indeed a moving ball, as we saw in the second half with that volleyed pass, which was just extraordinary. That was was orgasmic, if I may say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it was great to see. And and, uh, Brighton's um, bizarre, but um, I would say quite unique and pretty clever way of defending that free we, kick we invented that we invented that one. did we Coutinho did it I swear to god oh you mean by in other words because we put the the ball under their wall no I, we, mean, I think oh, Coutinho did, did that I no think Coutinho the was the first one to do it in the Europa League yeah really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh okay so yeah basically they've nicked our idea exactly <laughs> <laughs> Coutinho used to do the actual free kick. Exactly, he, yeah. So he must have thought he must have thought of a way to stop it as well. Uh, but um, about the about the Trent free yeah. kick, right? I, I don't know if you all noticed, but instructions came from Klopp to let Trent take it. Yeah, oh, I saw them all look around, didn't they? Yeah, Milner and Trent were standing over the ball, and Salah had moved away, but uh, the, both of them turned around, and it was what they heard from the bench. Trent finally decided to take it. Yeah. But, yeah. Still, still, I mean, you gotta give kudos to the guy to put himself into the equation for a 19 year old to stand there next to James Miller and say, listen, I think I can do this. Give me the chance. Doesn't matter that Miller finally listened to Klopp and not to him, but still, he has to put himself there. He has to ask for the ball. He has to demand it. So, hats off to him. Totally. And, and long-term wise, Pooney, do you think he's going to be the long-term free kick taker? Because we saw, was it, was it Crystal Palace or what? No, it was West Ham, wasn't it, where he, uh, Fabianski made a good save. Um, but we haven't had a stellar free kick taker since, oh god, who's good at free kicks? Uh, yeah, Coutinho. Coutinho. Coutinho, yeah. yeah. And before that, probably Gerard to a, Gerard and Suarez, Suarez, Suarez. Yeah. 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 But do you, do you, Pune, do you think Trent's the next in line to be the the free kick take? I mean, it was there was much loving for Van Dijk having a having a bang from fifty <laughs> yards away. But do you think Trent's the next in line? I I certainly hope so because that was one of the things that I I felt we were missing a little today in terms of someone from a spot kick situation, not necessarily a direct free kick, but even an indirect one delivering the perfect ball mm. like Coutinho used to. So. Um, I don't know if Trent will take the indirect free kicks going ahead, but at least the direct ones, I would really like to see him take more of these because that's, what, twice now in three games that he's come extremely close to scoring. So uh, he's only going to get better. So why not? Give him the chance. Yeah, I mean, especially when it's slightly left of uh, centre, it's probably better suited for him. But then when it's the other side, possibly Salah or um, Shaqiri if he's playing, I think... yeah, that that's correct. That 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 makes sense. Yeah, and I, uh, t- to be honest, I am getting a bit bored of Salah taking corners and free kicks and stuff. <laughs> he's just not very good at them. Bless him. He's not. He can't be good at everything. It's like Messi with penalties. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll come to the first goal then, Jay. And um, is this just Liverpool summarised to a T? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I suppose it is really. It's, it was quite a weird one because it, I suppose it was just it just came at the point we were just about twenty minutes, on, and I'd been quite comfortable up to that point. I was just starting to let those nerves sort of close in a little bit because we we hadn't really done much aside from the Firmino header, and our front three hadn't really been allowed to do much at all. And then I suppose Brighton had done so well at keeping their shape and cutting off those passing lanes, which they did after this point as well. It was that moment of, I suppose, slight absent-mindedness from Brighton and Basuma, I think it was, mm-hmm. and the readiness from Liverpool, which sums us up, that made the difference in that specific moment. And as you say, it summed up Liverpool, what we're about. Um, just capitalising on that slight moment of absent-mindedness from Brighton. Um, and weirdly enough, I, I was thinking at the time, Milner hasn't done much... And then he's the one that makes that first press and those front three, well, it's Firmino and Salah really um, just sprung into action immediately. So it's weird because even when we say that these players aren't doing much, like Firmino and Salah, they weren't quite clicking. There are moments like that when you realise what they can do because not a lot of other players in the league could turn that into that sort of finish, to be honest mm. with you. The, the pass from Firmino was just exquisite. And I mean, I didn't realise how good that pass was until I saw it in slow motion. Just the absolute weight on it, knowing that it had to come onto Salah's left foot rather than his right foot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had it all going through his mind in that moment. It was just perfectly weighted. And the finish as well. I mean, Ryan perhaps, it's difficult to say, but perhaps could have done better. But it was a great finish. Yeah, absolutely. And and Puneet, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you with this one. Basuma's foot, I think it's his first start in the Premier League. Do you think he now knows not to dawdle a bit with Liverpool players about? <laughs> I, I think that's a general trend in the Premier League. You can't really take your time on the ball like you do in other leagues, in other countries, because yeah. it's just so fast. I think uh, Alisson had uh, a yeah. few examples of this today. <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to him. <laughs> <laughs> My heart just skipped a beat. So he's learning that too. But... Um, yeah, that's the, that's the thing, right? So that's why I feel it's a good thing that Klopp isn't really throwing the new players into the deep end. Although I feel that may, those guys may improve the starting level, like, especially Fabinho, but it's good to get them up to speed so that when they do hit, uh, do, uh, get on the field, they know what they're in for. So yeah, I, I mean, Basuma will learn the lesson. Alison will learn the lesson. Hopefully Fabinho will learn it too, but on the training pitch, not on the field. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't need. It. I've had enough heart attacks from one bloke in that team today, and um, yeah, having hopefully learned that away from Anfield would be great. Um, but yeah, to be fair, I thought Basuma was okay for his debut, but I'm sure he'd learn learn a lesson there. But I'll go through that more with the Brighton fan on face off tomorrow. So sorry, listeners, you've got double me this week, uh, but. Uh, that's pretty much it for the first half. I mean, just general first half thoughts, Jamie. Uh, Jay, did I miss anything? I mean, not really. I mean, as you say, apart from um, those opportunities that you've mentioned, Brighton just kept their shape really well. They actually played some moments of nice football in that half and in both halves, actually. And for all our dominance and at times, as Puni um, touched on with the uh, sort of link up play with Salah and Firmino, which sort of threatened to take off and those almost fluidity, almost a bit of fluidity going on. Had we not scored that goal, which did come from a little bit of a mistake. I mean, it'd be harsh to call it a mistake. I'm, I think we really would have struggled to break them down by that point. So I think it came at the right point and. I think we just about struggled through that first half in the end because uh, Brighton did really well overall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think they they grew in the, to the game as well. But we'll talk, we'll touch on that in the second half bit. But Pune, do you think I missed anything in the first half that you wanted to bring up? You missed Trent's beautiful volley cross. Oh, was that the first half? Oh, I feel yeah. disgusting. That was no, beautiful. that was the. That was the that was the second half because it was from that's when we were shooting left to right. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that was first half. Yeah. No, I've no, just seen half. it. Yeah. Yeah, I just seen a gif of it. It was the second half. <laughs> Are you sure? It was. It was. 
because uh, I remember which I remember which half okay. Allison was yes, saving. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was second half. Sorry, uh, my bad, my bad. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> nothing else in the first half. Move on. You, you, you reminded me to put that in the second half notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we'll do. We'll, we'll just take a quick ad break and get a message from Gags and the advert that you all love, and um, we'll be back in a minute. Hi, Anne. How are you? Um, is everything okay? Yeah, absolutely, Gags. Everything is fine. But you know what? I'm hearing you've got a special offer for Anfield Index Pro. Is that so? Yes, absolutely. And we've got your weekly show, Moby on the Spot, the popular stat show, Under Pressure. Post-match Raw is now back and loads of other shows available at our lowest price ever. Go on then, Gags. How cheap is that? Get this, mate. Get this. It's absolutely free for seven days and then only $39.99 for a whole year. New users can now sign up and access everything at AmphilIndexPro.com. I have to say, Gax, that is incredible news. i got to go. Where are you going? Well, to be fair, I need to go and tell Rushy about this offer. <laughs> Thanks. Whilst you're there, please let Rushy know that we accept all major credits and debit cards via the website. And not only that, we've now added PayPal too. And if you want an app option, then via iOS, you can purchase AI Pro through an in-app purchase. Jan? Jan? And you're back with the post-match. And uh, we'll, we'll just go straight into the second half and Poonit. That pass yeah. from Trent... <laughs> <laughs> that part and the, the the other one that he found Salah with that was beautiful both of them I mean this guy is special he's gonna be something else I mean two three years down the line when he's entering his prime this I don't know if he'll still be playing right back he might move into midfield but his ability on the ball his passing range his vision this guy is gonna be a world beater for sure yeah, I think all, all the beautiful passing and stuff that Trent did, I know it's probably the basics of full-back play, but the thing I liked is when, I think it was Joe Gomez, it might have been Van Dijk, I think Glenn Murray got around him, and then Trent really just came over and just pretty much shoved him over and got the ball quite clean. <laughs> so I quite like that. I know it's the basics of full-back play, but he was quite aggressive and it was quite confident. And mm. uh, I, I quite like that from, from him. But Jay, just whilst we're on the subject of Trent, obviously he's had... A bit of indifferent start to it, start to the season in terms of his his um, attacking end product. But I mean, what what are your thoughts on Trent? Because I just think he's brilliant. Yeah, totally. I mean, I can only echo what you guys have said. But also, even when he's not doing anything really, like even when he's not providing that end product, what he offers that Klein doesn't is he he overlaps play. He puts brilliant balls forward, and even if those those balls don't actually come off. What people sometimes forget is when passes are mishit and things like that is they stretch defences and they they move players around and they allow people like Firmino and Salad to move into certain channels. And unfortunately for all of Klein's disciplined play, he never ever offers a, offers that sort of third dimension that mm. Trent does. Um, so even when he's not at his best, he offers something different and. He is just a class player. And whilst we're on a subject, I thought Robertson was probably one of our better players today again. Yeah, um, yeah. A- again, offering what Klopp had mentioned after one of the last games that we were, I think it was after the Palace game, that the fullbacks weren't overlapping enough. And both of them made extra efforts to do so, I thought, today, even when it didn't come off. I mean... Yeah, Rob over running 90 yards I know. to overlap. It was just yeah. like, all right, Bobby, what? okay, Rob over God. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean that just that sums up uh, Robertson's um, sort of determination, doesn't it? Um, I mean, what what game was it last year where he made this a similar sort of run? It was a different, a, a different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, come on. No, sorry. I was just gonna, I was just going to build on the fullback thing. I'll stick with you then, Jay, because I know you're you're running out of time. I think it was I think it was Cybrandis who said the Palace game was possibly Robbo's worst game. And he, by that, he doesn't mean he played badly. It's just probably the fact that Robbo's not had a bad game, but he was a bit off the boil it had against Palace. Um, but how, how good is it to have these fullbacks? I mean, I, I'm, Albert, I'm Moreno's biggest fan, and everyone knows this, but we, we've got... 
we've got two fullbacks there who could probably play the position for the next ten years if if Trent stays at right back. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, Klopp has built a whole squad at the moment now of players that could fill those positions for years to come, and bar potentially two, two or three roles in the whole squad, it's almost there. And if Robertson continues to play at the level he has been and more, which I think he will do because he shows no signs of sort of halting his development, considering he was playing non-league football about four years ago, um, and considering Trent's only 19 and is already at the level he's at, I mean, there's absolutely no end to these guys' development. And I think we could have two of the best fullbacks. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we do have two really, really good fullbacks. And they, their, their potential, I mean, if we were playing FIFA <laughs> and oh you've got their potential on career mode or something like that, their potential is that their, their roof is really high. So I think, I think we're really set for the future with those guys. Yeah. Considering, considering I saw uh, Mendy take about four foul throws this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Puneet, do, do, do you want to talk about Andy Robertson a bit? Because I think we'll obviously get to man of the match in a bit, but I think Rob is definitely in the discussion for it because after an indifferent game against Palace, he certainly was back to his normal self today, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was much better today. I mean, he was getting in the spaces, he was uh, stretching the defence, he was putting out wide overlaps, everything was there today. Uh, his crossing was good, especially in the first half. I think the whole team went off the boil a little bit in the second half, but that's to be expected. In But again, his defensive work was there. It was just an almost flawless performance by him today. He did whatever he did, he did right. I think there was that one moment on the knockout chance, but that could have been yeah. blamed on many people. But I think that's the one time someone, um, everyone switched off really. But other than that, I think he was pretty perfect throughout. But... Um, Jay, I know you're strapped for time, and just we're going, we're going to rattle through this for you, and then I'll come back to you, Pyrenees, and and do the proper proper format. But um, <laughs> Jay, just your overall second half thoughts then, because Brighton did come into it, didn't they? They really came into it. I mean, to be honest, they just built on their first half performance where they were pretty well disciplined, and they just built on that. They continued to find their confidence and find their feet. And started to find a few opportunities as well, and not Cart's chance in the second half, which you uh, already touched on. I mean, that that really really shook me. <laughs> I thought that was going to be I thought that was going to be their moment. I thought it was in, if I'm being honest. Like when it came to knock Cart, I just thought that's going in. And that actually going back to the um, Basuma. Um, absent-mindedness, we'll call it, in the first half, which you put down perhaps to his lack of experience in the Premier League and having to get up to speed with the Premier League, that actually, this knockout chance actually came from a misplaced Naby uh, Cater pass. Mm. Yeah. And it was one of the only, I mean, that's not strictly true. He, he, he has done it a, couple, a few times, actually, and he is going to have to get used to it, especially when he's in those positions when he's in his own half and there aren't that many because Liverpool tend to play high there are times when he's going to be one of the last men back so he can't afford to make those risky passes which he occasionally does and that pass led to a real opportunity for Brighton and it, it probably should have been a goal yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that chance in particular, and then obviously the, uh, the gross chance in the, in the last few minutes. And just to build on that, to, f- to finish your time on the pod, Jay, do you want to talk about Alisson a bit? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I mean, we all probably saw that clip of Alisson before he came to Liverpool where he basically does a Cruyff turn to get himself out of a situation. And, we all kind of thought that's great, but don't do that too often when you're playing for us, please, because we're all we've all got sort of um, anxiety problems. Hey, Migs <laughs> used to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. We all used to hate it, and that and then, is exactly why we have the anxiety problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then um, Alison starts chipping the ball over like centre forward's heads. So I said, I mean, what? I mean, 
literally my dad I was watching the match with my dad and he he was I was worried for him he's 72 <laughs> you know when the, when the goalkeeper's chipping the ball over and said the forward's head but um, I'm I don't know for me to, I'm 24 <laughs> yeah I don't know whether to didn't you know I don't know whether to love him or hate him for that but um he's I mean we know that he's bloody good on the ball he's really good on the ball and I, I certainly for the majority feel fairly comfortable when the ball comes back to him because his distribution is so good but then he did that and then obviously if, about five minutes later I could be wrong but it felt like about five minutes later he made the, the other mistake I think we'll just about call it a mistake and he got out of it so I think again we, we, we've touched on it a few times today we've had the Basuma thing we had the Cater misplaced pass and Allison almost messing up there. These guys have got to get used to how quickly the Premier League moves and how much pressing every single team does. You know, there's no time on the ball in the Premier League. And I know that sounds a bit like the, the opinion of someone who perhaps is underestimating other leagues, but I'm not underestimating the talent and the, the technical ability in the other leagues. I'm just saying that we all know that Premier League moves at the rate of knots um, and you have to be bloody fit and you have to be on the ball and focused. And to be fair to Alisson, he, he got out of that situation well and he made probably two, I think, really, really good saves. So, you know, I certainly feel much more comfortable. We finally made made a save as well. That was the one dark spot with him, wasn't it? Um but um, Jay, before do you, before you go, do you want to give out your man of the match? Yeah, I mean, I touched on it earlier, to be honest, and it could go to either of the fullbacks. I know BT Sport um, gave it to Milner. Um, I didn't actually think Milner had the greatest of games, if I'm being pretty honest. No, I was a bit surprised by that. Um, I didn't think Cater had the greatest of games, and one hour them was good in patches, and our front three were fairly meh for the majority. So I think, and the, the centre backs were all right to be fair, because we had to do a bit of defending. But um, yeah, I think I'm going to give it to Robbo. I just think overall, he he provided that outlet that we were lacking against Palace, um, and it, again his effort was there for everyone to see, and the distribution which almost led to at least one clear cut chance and a couple of other chances that probably should have been should have come to more than they did as well if people had been keeping up with him, to be honest. Mm. So, yeah, probably Robertson and tr- closely followed by Trent for me. Oh, that's a fair show. Um, but, Jay, thanks for, thanks for helping out. I know you've got a busy night ahead, but uh, thanks for helping out, dude. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. Mm. And nice to speak to you as well, Penny. Take care, dude. Cheers, guys. Right, catch Cheers. you later. Right, Punit, it's just me and you now. We'll, we'll finish off the second half. Don't worry, I'll let you talk about Alison as well. Don't <laughs> worry about that. Um, but we, we've kind of talked throughout the throughout the pod a bit about the the front three, and we've already said Mane didn't have the best game. Salah was a bit patchy, and Firmino still a bit rusty. But is is there any? It's it's a bit early for worrying signs, but I'll use it anyway. Is the is the worrying signs that they may still have? Not struggles, because he obviously scored a, a lot of goals last season. But do you think there's a we fixed the bus, the parked bus problem? Mm. I don't know if you could say that because, uh, frankly speaking, even though Crystal Palace and uh, Brighton have been pretty compact against us and have played pretty deep, uh, they still are both teams that do look to play. Decent amount of positive football when they can get on the ball. Mm. So, I think the park push problem would really um, come against teams like, uh, say, Cardiff City, who who Man just United. sit back. <laughs> yeah, Man United. That's going to be my next part. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know if we've solved the problem, but we do seem to be doing much better at it right now. So. Um, even against Crystal Palace, we got the goal of, via penalty and that breakaway at the end when Crystal Palace were going all out to just get the equalizer. And um, even today, our goal was due to the press. So, 
Um, we still, if you ha- go to see, haven't broken down teams who have been parked right from uh, minute one, you know. And uh, let's see how that goes going ahead. But I still feel that this team is better equipped to deal with those kind of situations than we were last year. And that that sense of nervousness, it just isn't there for me anymore. It's more of a case of, um, I don't know how many we can win by, but we can definitely win every game that we play. Yeah, I'm getting that. I'm getting that level of confidence now. But yeah. the only bad thing about that is, in previous Liverpool incarnations, when I was confident, <laughs> we used to screw up. But I'm going to hope that Klopp and the lads have broke that voodoo. Um, but one of the positives for me in second half, I know Brighton came into it probably the last 20 minutes or so, mm-hmm. but Jordan Henderson kind of came on. I know his coming on kind of, it didn't turn the tide, but the tide, the tide was already turning in Brighton's favour. But he came on and he seemed to slot in a lot better than he did against Palace. I know some people said he played well against Palace, but he did seem to hog the ball kind of thing. But today he seemed to kind of fit in and operate more cohesively with the other two would you agree with that definitely i mean um the only criticism about jordan henderson i would have is sometimes he doesn't see that forward pass that's developing like there were a couple of situations when robber was free on the wing and instead of passing to him uh, although it would have been a crossfield diagonal so why do that at that time of the game at the end of the game but still maybe once or twice he could have tried to pick him up but in general, he controls the middle of the park uh, much better than Genie. I feel his um, his layoffs to his centre backs, to his to the full backs, the way he slots in between the the two centre backs is 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 in general he's much more accustomed to playing this position, having played it over the whole of the last season than Genie Wijnaldum, and uh, he just seems to add that sense of uh, how do you say uh, composure. At the at at that critical moment when Brighton were threatening to do something, and uh, yeah, it did help. I mean, even towards the end, when he said that Brighton were the best that they played was the last 20 minutes. Even during that time, it wasn't wave after wave of Brighton attack. It was one attack, then we controlled the ball, we tried to move it into their final third, then maybe another one coming after that. But it wasn't. How do you say? It wasn't a performance that caused me too many worries as such. Yeah. A couple of occasions here or there, but in general, we dealt with it very well. And I think Henderson was an important factor in that because he kind of controls that ball. He slows the game down and he just helps us retain that possession a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, similarly, do you think that's, that was kind of why Sturridge came on as well? I know there was probably a couple of occasions he may have could have um, kept the ball in the corner, but I think Sturridge came on and he kept the ball a bit better than any of the other front three were doing before. Do you think it's a similar case of game management when Sturridge came on? I I don't know if, if Sturridge was... Um, I think Sturridge's introduction was more to do with Mane having a really, really bad game at that point in time. Mm. So it was more of a case of getting Mane out of the spotlight, giving him some time to rest at, on the sidelines and let Sturridge have a run in the squad because we will be needing Sturridge going down the line, you know, when as the season progresses, we're going to need him more and more. Uh, but yes, he did do something different that uh, we haven't seen him previously do. He dropped very deep. He held on to the ball. Maybe again, the typical Sturridge... You know, trying to run at the defenders a few times when it's really not required and, you know, trying to wiggle your way through two of them when you can just hold on to the ball and just <laughs> recycle it. But that's to be expected from a striker. From He's a pure number nine, so he's always going to try and go towards the goal and see if anything develops over there. But I'm really happy with the way Sturridge is playing and his attitude in general because he's understood that his role in the team is not the same as what it was in 13-14. And he needs to change the way he plays. He needs to change the way he uh, approaches the game to help this team and hopefully win some silverware at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, we're, we're getting towards the end now. Um, 
and in my notes here, I've got Brighton, and we've kind of talked about them improving, and I obviously talked with Jay about Allison. But I'm going to finish up with you talking about Allison. Kind of, com- it kind of goes together with Brighton improving. I mean, mm. <laughs> he uh, he does love to give out a heart attack now and again. But <laughs> how how good do you think he did? Because as I said, he finally made some saves as well that are important, obviously for a goalkeeper. But what were your thoughts on Allison? A bit of a mixed day, but ultimately I thought a good day for him. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of times when he could have not pondered on the ball as much as he did or not try to do the fancy stuff that he usually does. But um, like I said, it's a learning process. In general, he was well in command of his box two or three times. I remember one for a free kick. He came out right to the edge of the box to punch it away. And Mm. that, I thought, is something that we haven't seen from a Liverpool keeper. I mean, I can't. I can't remember the last time I saw something like that. Reina used Liverpool. to come and do a mad punch. Exactly, exactly. The Reina is, you have to go all the way back to Pepe Reina to, and that to not his last two seasons before that. So you really have to go all the way back then to see a Liverpool keeper commanding his box that way. And to be fair, he really was in trouble too much. The couple of saves that he had to make were, uh, routine. I mean, I. I mean, people will say that the save at the end of the game. Who was on the header? Duffy or Murray? I, I think. It, I think it was Gross. Oh yes, it was the Gross header. Yes. Yeah. So that Gross header. Although people will say that uh, it was a good save. It was a good save. But then at that point in time, his positioning was perfect. He was right where he needed to be, so he didn't really need to stretch too much to make that save and parry the ball away. His reactions are obviously superb. We can see that. Uh, I mean, even the way he controls the ball, I mean, his reactions are there. He just needs to make sure his positioning is correct and he'll make most of them. So, a very assured performance, according to me. A couple of things that he learned and I'm sure he'll take that in, in his stride and uh, only get better from here. Yeah, my, my favourite Allison moment, other than the, the flicking the ball <laughs> over the striker's head, which was bloody brilliant. But I really loved when he came at the edge of the box for a punch, and then he kind of just passed it, like flapping it down to, I think it was Robbo at the time. But that's just a <laughs> level of composure we've not seen in goal for, for a goddamn while. And exactly. I, I'm a big fan of carries, but to, for someone to have the composure to pass the ball with a punch is pretty damn impressive. Exactly, exactly. I mean, these are the kind of things that, uh, I mean, we could only dream of. I mean... Frankly speaking, these are the kind of things that we were expecting carriers to do, but unfortunately, it hasn't worked out for him. That's so, um, step in Allison and, um, we finally look so settled in the back five. It's, it's, I mean, one year ago, you could have never imagined such a situation for us. Good God. First <laughs> <laughs> time last year, we were all crying. <laughs> none, of the, none of our back five were playing. At yeah. this time last year, none of these guys were playing in the back five. So we've come a long way since then. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we'll, we'll finish up, well, we'll finish up on your man of the match, but we'll finish up on the match with that bit. So who was your man of the match then, Puneet? Okay, I'm going to go a little different with this. I think Gomez had an excellent game. Because um, the thing that I noticed, uh, rather that I appreciated about him today, was that Murray was on him all the while. He was not going towards Van Dyke. He was always on Gomez's shoulder and trying to, you know, contest aerial balls and uh, run in behind maybe or, you know, just create a nuisance of himself. And Gomez handled that really, really well. I don't know the stats. As of now, how did he did, statistically speaking, mm. maybe Van Dyke was better, but to the eye, he had a much more difficult job to do today. And he came out with, out of it with flying colors, like Murray had nothing in the game. Absolutely nothing. And this is the guy just a week before, he absolutely ran United's defense ragged. Mm. So. That, no, that's, that's an interesting shot. I hadn't really thought of Gomez, but th- there was a certain level of, of confidence in him, because there was that time when he did that little rollback skill and just sent, I think it might have been Murray, he sent him exactly. to go get a sandwich from the stand. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. But yeah, there was, I think that, I think that's a good shout there. Um, I, I think in the groups, in the, in the WhatsApp groups, we're seeing a lot of shouts for Ginny, and I think that's fair. Um, mm-hmm. for me personally, I, I'd agree with Jay on Robbo, but I think that, I think that's a good, 
good free shots there in terms of Robo, Ginny and, um, and Gomez, but I do like that Gomez shot because he, he seems to be growing in confidence every, every game now, doesn't he? Definitely. And this is like, I mean, again, like uh, Jay was touching upon, Klopp is setting up us in a position where we have a starting member of the squad for the next 10 years. And I'm and so glad to see... I'm so glad to see Gomez play at centre-back with Van Dijk now because most of us thought that this would be the partnership going forward. It was just that Gomez never was injury-free enough or for long enough periods of time to really for that to really happen. But now that he's there, we can see the talent that this guy has and we know that if he progresses the way he should progress, he'll be a starting centre-back for the next decade. Yeah, absolutely. And just let's just hope that his injuries are behind him, though. And um, yeah, I think on, on this little sample size of him at centre back, it still is a little sample size. But if if he can build on this and further improve, goddamn, we've got a player on our hands. But uh, we'll finish up on that, Pernit. I mean, do you want to hand out um, your Twitter to people, and if you're uh, working on anything writing wise? Um, so I'm working on a piece uh, right now, but um, I really don't want to discuss it too much right now because it's still kind of raw but uh, I'll let you all know at, at a later point in time but anyway if you want to follow me on Twitter I'm at uh, Puneet Anasazi so that's at the rate P-U-N-I-T-A-N-A-S-A-Z-I and yeah that's about it I'm not too much into social media the only reason I joined Twitter was for LFC so yeah <laughs> that's about it <laughs> No, good stuff, good stuff, and uh, yeah, Puneet is a good, is a good lad, but he doesn't, as he said, don't like the social media. But um, do check out his writing when that comes out because he's a very talented writer. But um, I've been Guy Drinkle, and I've been stepping in for Nina Kauser. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Podcast Network.